All righty. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the sixth edition of the Ryan's Ramble podcast. I'm losing track now where we are in terms of college football, but nonetheless, we are back again for another week of my college football betting picks. My name is Ryan Bennell, and I'm going to be your host throughout this series. If you are unfamiliar with me, I am an associate editor over at Frogs of War. I've been writing now for about a year. I cover TCU soccer, done football games, basketball, and this is probably my favorite thing I do with Frogs of War is Ryan's Ramble. I love talking about sports betting, love talking about college sports, so why not combine them together and bring you Ryan's Ramble Um, Shout out, as always, to Frogs of War just for giving me this opportunity and having this platform. It's it's been awesome so far. I really appreciate everybody that's tuned in, uh, seeing some of the comments. It always makes my day whenever people respond with their picks and just overall what they think. And I love seeing that kind of stuff. So shout out to Frogs of War. Shout out to everybody who's been watching. Um, And just another, you know, further explanation of what the podcast is. Uh, basically, if you have not listened to any of the episodes or read the blogs, what this is, is your one-stop shop for all your college sports betting needs, especially during football season. Every week, I'm going to be taking you through my personal card of picks. We're also going to be talking about things we learned along the way, um, kind of to improve our knowledge, get better as we go, make some smarter picks, and hopefully come out on top as winners when it's all said and done. You know, We want to make sure we have that 50% win percentage. That's key. Anything above that is considered a success in my book and most of sports bettors' book in reality. So before we get started with the sports bets or with what we learned last week, I do need to say that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Sports gambling is not legal in the state of Texas, nor does Frogs of War condone sports betting. And this is not financial advice in any way. I mean, if you want to, if you want to tell my picks, I recommend it. But financially, that's on you. Up to you, buddy. Uh, anyway, so last week was a huge, huge, huge week for Ryan's Ramble. I'm talking, we went from one of the worst weeks of all time, like a two and nine record. I'm embarrassed, but I can't hide from it. You know, I got to own up to it. But then last week, Last week was a fire. I could not stop hitting my picks. I don't know what was happening, honestly. I mean, usually I go into it always thinking I'm going to win, but I could not lose this weekend. 10 and 3 was my overall record. I'm going to go through my picks last week in just a bit, but man, it did levels, levels for my confidence going forward. It felt really good to see all that green on my betting apps and everything. So, really. Really good for my confidence going forward, and I'm hoping that it pours over into this week too, and we can just continue the hot streak. You know, keep up the win streak, keep up the hot streak. Let's get it. But before we get into any of the picks, last week's picks, this week's picks, let's talk about what we learned. This is something I want to do to start out the episodes, change things up a little bit, get a little bit more college football content in there, other than just your rudimentary sports bets, because I could basically just read those off in a list. Um, but that's no fun, is it? No, not as entertaining for sure. So. First thing we learned last week in college football is Oklahoma may not be a shoe-in for the Big 12 like we all thought they would. And, I mean, I'm very surprised even just saying this. I thought Oklahoma was a shoe-in. Everybody thought Oklahoma was a shoe-in. They were just the lock to win the Big 12, especially with Spencer Rattler. They're Lincoln Riley. They just have so much talent. They're so deep. But they're underperforming, very like heavily underperforming right now. Uh, So this upcoming game against West Virginia, which I do have a pick for, so stay tuned for that one. It's going to be a huge game. It's going to be a really telling game 
uh, for the Sooners. I think if they can come out with a big win, then maybe some of those question marks, those concerns will die down for the Sooners. But if they play another close game, I mean, a whole can of worms is going to open up. Like, you talk about a close call against Tulane. And then Nebraska? I know Nebraska has looked a lot better since their week one loss to Illinois. But they're still Nebraska. There's no reason Oklahoma shouldn't win that game by at least two touchdowns or three, let alone seven points, thanks to a a crazy interception with eight minutes left to kind of put a dagger in it and cut the the Cornhuskers' chances. By the way, though, that interception, if if you don't know what I'm talking about, the Oklahoma defender uh, reached back, one-handed grab. It was a crazy athletic play. But the ironic thing about it is the Sooners would have got the ball in the 23-yard line if he had just swatted it down. It was fourth down. So really, it wasn't a smart football play, but it was a cool play nonetheless. So I'll give him credit for that. But anyway, yeah, about Spencer Rattler, I've learned and I've I've been had this opinion. I have said this from the start, and I seem to be one of the only people. I mean, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, okay? But I seem to be one of the only people that really didn't believe in Spencer Rattler. I, I think he's phenomenal, right? He's still a great player, but I don't think he's the clear-cut number one. He's not the... with against all odds, or not that's not the term I'm looking for I don't know what I'm trying to say but he's not a shoe-in for the Heisman either he was the Heisman favorite coming into the preseason he's still one of the Heisman favorites but I'm not seeing it he's not that guy I think he had a lot of overhype too just because Kyler succeeded Baker succeeded Jalen Hurts succeeded in this Oklahoma offense the quarterbacks have been insane Kyler Murray's a great player probably still the not probably he is still the best quarterback in the Big 12 but is he without a doubt the number one player in the country? No. So he's he's a little bit off my Heisman radar for now. Um, but moving on from Oklahoma, I'm going to talk about Spencer Rattler a bit later with that game. But Clemson, another another top dog playoff team. Is Clemson okay? Are they good? Is do they? I don't even know. I don't know what to say about it. But I get that there was a there was rough weather in their game against Georgia Tech. But six point win against the Yellow Jackets, really? The same Georgia Tech team that lost to Northern Illinois at home after they went 0-6 last season? I know everything doesn't correlate exactly that like that in college football. But yikes, Clemson's looking scary on offense. They're struggling to move the ball. We said the same thing against Georgia, but of course everybody you know at the time was like, oh, it's Georgia's defense, things will pan out. Eh, can you blame this one on the weather a little bit sure but DJ Ugalele I I picked him for my Heisman winner at the beginning of the season and I'll admit that was a bad pick that's on me looks like none of my Heisman picks are doing good but Matt Coral coming out of nowhere look out for him uh really the only thing about this Clemson team right now that's a highlight is James Skalski if you don't know who I'm talking about big beefy number 47 I, I believe it is uh has the neck pad linebacker for Clemson, one of the best all-around defenders in uh, college football right now. I think he's leading the country in solo tackles as well. He's a god. I mean, he's a freak. He leads that defense, does exactly what he needs to do every single play. He reminds me a lot of Luke Keekley kind of, but he's really their only highlight of that team right now. So next up, going to the Big Ten. This just confirms, I talked about it last week before the game happened, but the whiteout game at Penn State is the best, the best environment in all of college football. I would give an arm and a leg to sit in the student section of 
of Penn State wideout game. I know they're kind of, I think their record is like nine and eight now uh, in recent wideout games, which really isn't that crazy, but I don't care, okay? That atmosphere is crazy. Every single person in the stadium, over 100,000 people are wearing white shirts. They have their white pom-poms. They're jumping around. They're getting hype. That's what college football is all about. And, oh, my God, I would give anything to experience something like that. Don't get me wrong. I love love it when the Carter is uh, packed out for an OU Texas game, something like that. Everybody's going hard, especially if it's a night game. But I don't think it compares to that Penn State wideout environment. It's just something different. It is something different. And also, another weird thing about that Penn State game, I don't want to go into it too much, but the officiating blunders in there were just awful. I mean, Penn State literally punted the ball on third down because of the officiating blunder. They had originally said it was fourth down after uh, an intentional grounding call. Things got mixed up. But no matter what happened, there's really no excuse for that. So actually, check that out. I wrote about that in um, shameless self-promo here. But I did write about that in uh, my In Case You Missed It series on Frogs of War as well. So check that out because that was hilarious. So they still won the game, though. If they didn't, it would have been a whole other story. Another thing I learned, Sparty is back, baby. 38-17, to huge win over Miami of Florida, despite being six-point underdogs. <sighs> Again, I'm kind of calling out all of my terrible takes from the preseason, but I said, my, I said Miami was back. I did, and I was terribly, terribly, terribly wrong. I think I believed a little bit too much in De'Eric King, who is still a great player. He just has no help around him. There's no discipline in that Miami team. They look awful. I'm just going to be blunt. They look awful right now so relative to, to their preseason expectations. Um, but yeah, Sparty, man, they, they're looking good. I mean, the Big Ten is wide open right now, which I never thought I would have been saying at this point in the season. Ohio State may not be a shoe-in either. Same thing with Oklahoma. Ohio State may not be a shoe-in to win the Big Ten. So I think it's open with Penn State can compete. Iowa can compete. Ohio State, of course. Uh, Michigan looks really good this year and now Michigan state. I don't know if Michigan state's quite up to the level as those other guys I mentioned just yet, but we had a big game this weekend. We're making a pick on that. So stay tuned. But other than that, now to the sec, Florida, this is, this isn't so much a thing we learned. This is more of a, a bold prediction. Um, and I'm going to say that Florida is going to come out of the sec East and beat Georgia. I think they're going to – Georgia, the Bulldogs, they're going to slip up at some point. Um, Emory Jones, Florida quarterback, is a freak athlete. Uh, He's not the best passer in the world. He had a pick against Alabama, like less than 200 yards. But, I mean, it's the Alabama defense we're talking about, folks. So let's not – let's take that with a grain of salt. But he also put up like 80 rushing yards and a a touchdown on the ground. So very unique player. He's one of the – kind of a – I don't want to say typical – but he fits the modern quarterback agenda. He, he's a really talented player. So excited to see what that offense can do. And also, I think that everybody overlooked Florida after they lost Kyle Trask, after they lost Kyle Pitts, you know, that iconic Kyle to Kyle connection. Everybody overlooked Florida. And I think they're still a great team. A two point loss to Alabama is a win, especially whenever you're favored to lose by 14 and a half points. So that's a big one. And now outside, I have two group of five things. So outside of the power five, Fresno State. Woo, the Bulldogs are legit, all right? They are legit New Year Six Bowl contenders. Sure, Cincinnati. Sure, actually, UCF just lost, so not so much anymore. 
Cincinnati's really the main target other than Fresno State, I'd say. So and BYU, I guess. BYU, but they're fucking independent. So whatever. Fresno State looks legit. They had that close call against Oregon, almost came up with a massive upset uh in Eugene. So and I thought they could have done it. I had that picked out at Fresno State plus 20 and a half. I did not pick Fresno State in this UCLA game because I thought UCLA was looking good. I said it before. Um, I genuinely thought Chip Kelly and UCLA could overachieve this season based on the first two weeks. So in this game, I really can't put my finger on whether we should be giving more credit to Fresno State or less to UCLA, if that makes any sense. In other terms, I'm not quite sure if the blame is on UCLA for underperforming or if Fresno State is really just that good. If Fresno State is truly capable of competing with Power 5 teams this year. And from what I've seen, they are, all right? I mean, if they did it against Oregon, same Oregon that beat Ohio State on the road, they beat UCLA, Fresno State's schedule gets a whole lot easier from here on out. And now that they already have a top 25 ranking on their uh, resume, book them. Book them for a New Year's Six Bowl. It's going to happen. I really believe in Fresno State this year. I think they're going to win out, honestly. Um, and last but not least in things we learned, this really has nothing to do with the games themselves. This is just kind of me bitching. But Western Michigan needs to change their damn logo. It, uh, it used to be the cool little Bronco, you know, like kind of similar to the Denver Broncos logo, honestly. But now it's just a stupid circle with a W in it. Okay? And I get it. That's simplistic, minimalist logo, modern, whatever. It's the same damn thing as the Washington football team's logos with just a different color and a slightly skinnier W. All right. I'm tired of scrolling through the scoreboard on ESPN and seeing that and just being like, what, why the hell is Washington football team playing Air Force this week or something? You know, I don't know. Maybe this is me just being nitpicky, but I'm tired of seeing it. Western Michigan, if you're listening, change your damn logo. Uh, all right. That is all we have for things we learned last week. Now, talking about last week's picks, I'm going to try and go through these a little bit quick. I didn't realize it's already been like 15 minutes. So I'll get through these quick, and then we can uh, go ahead and get to this week's card, you know, the exciting, the juicy part of everything. So last week. I only had three losses. Mentioned that before, and I'm going to keep mentioning it. All right. I mean, you you got to, as a sports better, you got to pat yourself on the back when you have a good day. And that's what happened this past Saturday. I had three losses. And of those three losses, Clemson, Georgia Tech, over 52 was one of them. And that was doomed from the start. That one was on me. I should have checked the weather report. There was literally a two hour weather delay that kind of screwed things and any chance for the over. So that one's on me. Next up, San Jose State won their game. Didn't cover the spread. Tough place to play on the road at Hawaii. I can. I was worried about that a little bit, but I just I thought San Jose State was the better team, and I mean they are. They got the win. They just didn't cover, so that one's on me as well. And then Kansas plus eighteen. <laughs> oh Kansas, oh, what am I gonna do with you? I for some reason believed Kansas could show some sort of competency of on offense um, in a home game against Baylor who I thought Baylor was simply just bad. So, And I still think Baylor is bad. I'm, I'm not buying it, regardless of how bad they beat Kansas. So, yeah, thankfully the over hit, though. Um, the over of 49 and – or over – yeah, 49 and a half hit. So we went one-on-one -on, -one on that game. But that was a dumb pick. Uh, just never bet on Kansas, future reference. Never, never bet on Kansas. <sighs> and then otherwise, we had some close calls, though, with some of our wins. Um, 
a tier one pick, Virginia Tech and West Virginia under 50 and a half. I had that one, and it was 27 to 21. Combined score of 48, literally a field goal away from busting. West Virginia threw an interception. Virginia Tech got the ball in like the 20-yard line with two minutes left. A perfect chance to score a touchdown and win the game. And I was like, all right, great. It's over. There, go, there goes the over. The bet's busted. It's screwed. But no, no, no. The Mountaineers, that Mountaineer defense, baby, came up with a huge goal line stop in that under hit. Actually, you know what? From that here on out, we're going to refer to West Virginia as Western Virginia because we can. Um, <laughs> next up, uh, another close call was South Carolina plus 31 and a half. They scored a garbage time TV touchdown in the fourth quarter against Georgia for the backdoor cover and lost by 27. Don't care how much they lose by as long as they cover the spread. Um, another close one was Kansas State and Nevada. I had the over of 50.5, and that didn't hit until the final two minutes. I was so – I was just sweating so hard because I, I thought Kansas State was going to run the clock out. But thankfully, they had fourth and goal with like a minute 20 left, which forced them to run the ball. And thank God they got it across the goal line, and they broke the over. So those are some close calls. Um what one more I want to talk about too is Alabama. I had Alabama first quarter minus three and a half. Uh, and thank thankfully I took the first quarter. I almost took the full game spread of 14 and a half, but they won the first quarter 21 to three, obliterated Florida. It looked like it was going to be a blowout, but the Gators fought back. They they shut Alabama's offense down the rest of the game, really. So props to Florida for that. But glad I took the first quarter. Um, and then also my Penn State bet, never a question. With the whiteout game so much confidence in that never a question uh so yeah that puts me the 10 and 3 record last week so with my god-awful start to the season i'm talking like 20 and 20 my or not 20 i'm talking 10 and 17 my overall record made a massive comeback and we are now at 0.500 dead even 20 and 20 which isn't the best but i will gladly take a 20 and 20 record after the first few weeks were just rough. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. They were rough. So let's get it. Let's go ahead and get into this week. Before I talk about my personal card, I'm going to talk about the TCU game. Huge rivalry game. SMU-TCU, I mean, I say huge rivalry game. It's mostly just historically. I don't really consider... SMU's our little brother, all right? If we're being realistic, they are our little brother. We own them. Excuse my language. We make SMU our bitch every time we play them. We don't need to talk about 2019, okay? Just forget that ever happened. But SMU has been talking mad trash talk. There's so much on social media. They've been saying that TCU is scared to play them, yada, yada, yada. They're trying to light a fire under the iron skillet, and TCU is going to come in and cook the ponies up in some bacon bits, baby. Give me TCU minus nine and a half. I really do see a big win for the Frogs in this one. I know it's a rivalry game. Crazy shit happens a lot, especially in SMU-TCU games for some reason. But the only thing that really concerns me about the Mustangs is Tanner Mordecai. The Oklahoma transfer, he's been killing it this year, quarterback for the Ponies. And I'm worried he might just tear up our depleted secondary. Uh, to put it straightforward, I really I really am, especially CJ Caesar. Sorry, CJ, but come on, bro. You got to... You got to start doing better, really. <laughs> anyway, though, um, I'm, I'm taking TCU minus nine and a half. I'm not putting it on my official card again because I, I always shy away from making any picks on TCU games because of bias tendencies and whatnot. But I genuinely think that TCU minus nine and a half is a decent play. 
Um, especially even in a T. Oh, if you could get TCU in a teaser down to minus three and a half, chef's kiss. Mwah. That's beautiful. Now, moving on, the bread and butter. Here's what we all came for this week's picks. All right. I'm going to start it actually. Instead of my normal tier three, tier two, tier one system, we're going to start it with a parlay this week. I want to I want to start doing some parlays. I might do just one parlay a week um, and have that. Last year I had the at one point it was the Paradise City parlay of the week, and then it turned into the Purple Rain parlay of the week after I kept losing it. So I had to change up the vibes, you know. But we'll figure out some sort of alliteration, and we'll have another parlay this week or from here on out. But this week I'm taking three four and a half point favorites. Part of the reason is because four and a half is such an awkward spread. I really don't like it. Teams usually either win by four, they win by six. Right in between, don't like it. I I don't like it, okay? So give me UCLA minus 190 money line, Michigan State minus 200 money line, and Kentucky minus 210 money line. So all of those games, if you put them in a parlay, that gives you about plus 240 odds. So risk one unit to win nearly 2.5 units. I think there's a lot of value behind this parlay. I think each team is going to win their games. And I really want to pick all of them to cover the spread. But again, like I said, that four and a half, that's an awkward number. It makes me nervous. So I think this is a safer way to go. Almost added AM into this parlay, but ended up just taking AM spread, as you will hear about in a second. So let's go ahead and start now with my tier three picks. First up, I am taking Liberty at Syracuse over 52. The this line has shifted a little bit. I think it might be at 54 now, but I got in early, thankfully. As sometimes it's really good to get in early on picks, and sometimes it's really bad. But Right now, we have Liberty and Syracuse over 52. Um, The Syracuse offense looked surprisingly explosive uh, their last time out. I know they were playing Albany. I know it's an FCS team. They're supposed to put up 60 points, but I don't care who you're playing. Um, Their running back went off for, I'm forgetting his name now, but 13 carries, 134 yards, and four touchdowns. Dude is a beast. Um, Syracuse also has Tommy DeVito at quarterback who isn't fantastic, but he's good enough. He's experienced. That's the key. He's experienced enough, um, to score some points, put some points on the board and Liberty. I don't even really need to comment on Liberty's offense. I mean, they can score the ball. We know that by now, especially with Malik Willis, who has, there's been rumors. He may, you know, rise his stock into the number one quarterback in next year's draft. Who knows at this point, but Liberty, the flames are averaging 38 points per game on offense. Syracuse's defense is nothing spectacular. So similar to how I had a feeling about their Rutgers under, I have a feeling this one could turn into a shootout in uh, the Carrier Dome. So take Liberty and Syracuse over 52. Next up is Boston College plus two versus Missouri. So this Boston College team is not the same quote unquote free win uh, like they used to be from a few seasons back. They're a much better, much improved team who can probably do some damage in the ACC. They can make, they're capable of some upsets in the ACC this year. And it starts with Missouri. This is a big opportunity for them. An SEC team coming into town. They're, they're going to come to play. They're going to play like it's their Super Bowl. I mean, they, they have the home field advantage too. I really, I just really like Boston college and Missouri. While Boston college has improved over the last few years, Missouri has completely regressed. They've given me absolutely no substance to show for 
I, I just don't believe in Mizzou and I won't for a long time. They're one of those teams that I think always are going to underachieve until something drastic happens. So take Boston College. Give me the Eagles. Moving on. We're staying in uh, – oh, nope, not not staying. Regard, disregard the last statement. All right, my brain's all over the place. Got too much numbers in my head. Next up, we're taking Michigan. Michigan minus 20 and a half against Rutgers at home. So home field advantage for Big Blue. That's always big. And I don't care how improved Rutgers is. This is their first 3-0 start since the 2020, 2012 season. Excuse me. Uh, since the 2012 season. But I don't care. I generally don't care. Uh, I, I am all in on this Michigan team. I said it almost every week now. I really believe they're back. And I'm going to make, I'm going to say it on tape right now. Michigan is going to beat Ohio State this year. Boom. You heard it here first. They're going to beat them. They're, it starts out with embarrassing Rutgers. <laughs> all right. But I really do believe this Michigan team is legit. Their running attack is just unworldly. They had, what was it? Uh, they have so far through three games, like eleven over 1,100 rushing yards and 15 touchdowns on the ground. That's absurd. And, I, I mean, if they get an early lead against Rutgers, too, they're just going to continue to run the ball, run the clock out, which honestly is exactly what we want, ironically. Typically, with a big spread like this, you don't want the team to run the ball at all. But with Michigan's productivity – Run the damn ball all you want. They have been going off on the ground. And, I mean, they beat Washington by 21. They can do the same to the Scarlet Knights. I, I really – I like Rutgers. You know, I, I want to see Rutgers do well. I don't like seeing them be 0-12 every year. But Michigan's not the team to do it against. So, give me give me Michigan. Give me Big Blue. Minus 20.5. Sticking with the state of Michigan, I'm uh, going to finish off my Tier 3 picks with Michigan State minus 5 versus Nebraska. Really, the only reason I don't have this in a higher tier, because I have Sparty Moneyline in a parlay, but the only reason I don't have this in a higher tier is because um, the public, the public are riding with Michigan State, and that scares me. <laughs> it's it's not a good sign usually. Right now, 73% of public bets are siding with uh, Michigan State, and that's ne- not really a good sign. I mean, there's a reason people say the house always wins. It's because when the public tens if 90 percent of the public is on one side they're gonna lose vegas is gonna make a call mid-game and be like hey turn on the wind machines and then a kicker is gonna miss a field goal because vegas controls everything <sighs> that's a whole nother conversation but anyway the public is backing michigan state and so are we uh i like fading the public it's one of my favorite strategies to do but this time i really i believe in sparty i i don't think nebraska is quite as good as they looked against oklahoma I think this line has been a bit over-adjusted. If you were to base you know, your bets off of a team's performance versus Oklahoma, then you would have bet on Tulane against Ole Miss, and you would have lost money because Tulane were 14-point underdogs and got blown out by 40 against Ole Miss, another capable team, which is exactly the situation Nebraska is heading into. They're going off that. They're riding a high of thinking they almost beat Oklahoma, but heading right into another completely capable team. And they're going to Michigan State's going to win this football game. So give me Sparty minus five. And that's going to round out my tier three picks. Now, moving over to tier two, baby. Tier two, my mid medium level confidence picks. Give me Wake Forest. That's that's what I want up first. I want Wake Forest plus four at Virginia. 
to cover the spread. I genuinely think that Wake Forest is the better team in this situation, and they should be favored to win. I'm really surprised that they're underdogs, let alone you know four-point underdogs. So they had a dominant 38-17 to win against Florida State last week, which honestly isn't saying much because Florida State is in shambles right now. But I feel like the only reason um, the Demon Deacons – I just had to find an excuse to say that. I love that. But I feel like the only reason that they are an underdog in this one is because they haven't played any competition yet. Florida State was really their first competition. I think uh, they had two other like FCS programs come to town. Nothing crazy. Uh, and then Virginia, meanwhile, they've at least played UNC last week. They lost 59-39. It was, yeah, 20-point loss. They were 7.5-point underdogs, but the loss is spread by quite a bit. So, And that's another UNC team that I just... I believed in, and then now I don't believe in. It was a very quick flip for me on that UNC team with Sam Howell. So uh, if if Virginia struggled that much against them, I think Wake Forest is going to be able to come away with the victory on the road. That is the only thing that makes me concerned is it is a road game. But give me Wake Forest. Give me the Demon Deacons plus four. Cover the underdog spread. Now, this next one almost made it into my tier one. It was so close to being in my tier one picks, but... It's, it's just such a low line that it makes me nervous. And so, anyway, we're going to the big game, baby. The big dogs, Notre Dame at Wisconsin. Give me the first half under of 24.0. So, key, key thing about this pick, though, is the line is actually set at 23.5 for the first half over under. So, to get that 24.0, you're going to need to buy a point. And I, buying a point is something I don't think I've actually gone over on this podcast. So if you aren't familiar with buying a point, it's essentially adding on to a spread in exchange for juicier, heavier odds. You know, So for example, in this one, the over-under for the first half is 23.5, but I want to buy a point, or half a point in this case, I want to buy a half a point to where the line changes to 24 instead of 23 and a half. So what I do is rather than betting at minus 110 odds, the typical juice for any sports book, it will raise then to minus 120, where I'll have to put a little bit more to win the same amount. So you risk a little bit extra in that juice cover fee, but it's completely worth it in situations like this, where a push could be like huge. I mean, if we have a 17 to 7, um, a 14 to 10 kind of first half, then that's going to be a push and pushes are fine right? You're totally okay with pushes. You get your money back. But if it's 23.5 and that first half over goes to 24, you're going to be in a whole world of pain for that half a point. So just take that little extra juice. I'm buying half a point to under 24. But the reason why is Notre Dame are phonies. I said it. I'm going to keep saying it. Notre Dame are overrated. They're phonies. They've been struggling on offense this year. I think Wisconsin is going to ground and pound because that's what they do. And also because Graham Mertz sucks. Just putting it out there, Graham Mertz is bad right now. So they're going to run the clock out, which is going to be great for the first half under. And I also think, too, that the environment is going to play a factor. This is Camp Randall, one of the best atmospheres in college football whenever it's bumping. And I'm sure it will be when Notre Dame comes to town. I mean, I said bumping, but it's literally going to be jumping because they're going to be doing the jump around, jump, jump, jump around. I love watching the Wisconsin jump around thing. But anyway, Camp Randall is bumping. It's going to be crazy atmosphere for that game. So I wouldn't be surprised if there are some mistakes made early in the game that slow down the pace and 
you know, Notre Dame takes a while to adjust and get comfortable, get settled in this one. So going with the first half under. Next up is another under. I'm taking Colorado State team total under 10.5. And I know that's not a lot of points to root for an under, but you know why? Because they're playing at Iowa, baby. Iowa is one of the best defenses in the country. They made us some uh, made us a couple units last week in my tier one pick. I had Kent State under 17 team total, and they ended up only scoring seven points. And Colorado State is probably at the same offensive level as Kent State, if not below Kent State. Probably a lot below Kent State, actually. So, uh, yeah, give me their under 10 and a half. I'm going to keep taking these team total unders. Whoever Iowa's playing, I'm taking their opponent's team total under until Iowa, you know, loses one. They've their most they've given up all season is 17 points to Iowa State. And even then, that wasn't a crazy amount. 17 points. This defense is legit. Um and also Colorado State, not to talk about it. They lost to Vanderbilt for Christ's sake. So, this offense is not it. Colorado State's going to struggle to put up points like everybody will against Iowa. So, give me their team total under 10 and a half. Another one I got, here's another big game actually. This is a really big game. Probably the marquee game of the week, if it's not the Wisconsin Notre Dame game. Texas A&M, I'm taking the Aggies, minus four and a half at Arkansas. So this is, I genuinely thought A&M would have been favored by a little bit more, maybe six, six and a half, but four and a half. Hey, if we could get that to four, I would very much consider buying half a point to minus four. But if you can't, minus four and a half, I think it's safe either way. I think A&M is going to cover this game. Their defense is going to show out in this one. Arkansas haven't really faced any any tough defenses. And with that, they're averaging 41 points a game right now, which is 16 more than last year's 25 points per game. And I, I don't think they can maintain that productivity, especially against a defense like, uh, like A&M. It's, it's a different beast compared to the Longhorns defense. And that's another aspect too. Arkansas is still riding this wave from that, that Longhorn win. And because of that, I think the market – vastly overcorrected it changed a lot from the opening lines and i think it's because a&m had a rough outing against colorado at the same time arkansas got a big upset win against ut so i think you combine those factors uh, the public is going to be with arkansas a lot on this one which is why uh, they've, they've set the line where it is so give me a&m give me the aggies i, I don't like the public usually so i think the defense is really going to be uh the defense is going to steal a show in this one. And I, I still think that Arkansas is a bottom tier SEC team. I, they've gotten much, much better. Don't get me wrong, but they're still not ready to compete quite yet. Not, not yet. And AM is not the team to do so against. So give me the Aggies minus four and a half. And now for my last tier two pick, I'm going with Louisville minus one and a half at Florida state. So in my, uh, in my notes here, my little outline, I have Florida State with a capital L in Florida. And I did that for a reason, because they're losers. They're so bad. I like This is inexcusable for Florida State. They haven't started 0-3 since 1976. And here we are. This is about to be their first 0-4 team in I don't even know how long, probably since before my mom and dad were born. But it's going to happen. They're going to lose. They are in shambles right now. Nothing is going right for this team. I kind of feel bad because I really wanted to see Mackenzie Milton succeed after his whole knee injury and everything, his crazy comeback. 
Love Mackenzie Milton. Don't love the Seminoles this year. They are bad. I was I thought maybe they could have been something after their you know close overtime loss to Notre Dame. Then they turned around with the upset loss to Jacksonville State. They just got blown out by 21 against Wake Forest. Who's to say the Louisville won't blow them out by 20 plus? I mean, a one and a half point spread isn't too much to ask for. So give me Louisville. Actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, I know I'm like mid-episode, but I might might be changing that actually. Not against Louisville, but if it's Louisville minus one and a half, yeah, I'm changing that actually. It, it only makes sense. Um, I'm taking Louisville minus 125 money line. I mean, the odds are literally a difference of minus 110 and minus 125, but that one point of a spread could end up costing you your units. So take take the extra juice. Take Louisville money line instead of the spread. I think Louisville's going to come out on top of this game. Florida State, they're in shambles. They're in shambles. They're so bad. It's going to take something drastic for a change to happen. And an 0-4 start, I would consider that drastic for their standards. So I really don't care too much for the semantics in this game, um, like stats, details, pfft, whatever. Florida State's bad. Just keep fading them. Literally, just keep fading them until they do show you any reason not to. And they haven't yet. So give me Louisville. Give me the Cardinals. They looked decent against Ole Miss in the in an opener, but nothing special. And then they had a wild primetime game against UCF recently, and they came out on top of that one. They upset UCF. So Florida State, I think UCF's way better than Florida State this year. So give me Louisville money line. Now that brings us to tier one. I had to get a little sip of water there before we get going on this. But these are my absolute favorite, most confident picks of the upcoming weekend of college football. And first ones first, this is my actual favorite, 100% favorite line of the the weekend is West Virginia oh excuse me Western Virginia plus 17 and a half at Oklahoma I think this spread is way way too big I genuinely would have expected to see this line closer to 10 maybe 12 in favor of Oklahoma but this is 17 and a half points is way too many points for this one I think it's going to be a lot closer than this as we talked about earlier Oklahoma are severely underperforming right now. They're struggling against defenses that are not nearly as talented as West Virginia, especially Nebraska's defense, man. I mean, Tulane early, excuse me, I got the hiccups now, but Tulane early season, I mean, they dropped 40, but so I guess that wasn't necessarily offensive struggles, but they're, they're not playing well. I mean, they, they really haven't put together an Oklahoma-esque season like you expect them to. Spencer Rattler's not that guy, like I said. Um, I, I think West Virginia is fully capable of giving Oklahoma a run for their money. Will they win this game? No. The Sooners are going to find a way to win, as they always do. But West Virginia is going to compete. You can guarantee that. 17 and a half. I, I genuinely can't believe that it is this big of a spread. I can't, I can't fathom it. I mean, Famous last words, am I right? You know, that's what I'm going to say. And then Oklahoma's going to win by 30. And then I'm going to look like a dumbass. But it's the life of a sports better. It is what it is. I, I think Letty Brown is also going to have another big day for the Mountaineers. He went off against Virginia Tech, like 160 yards and a couple TDs. So uh, Oklahoma's going to find a way to win. But 17 and a half, it's ridiculous. Give me the Mountaineers in that one. Next up is Army. Minus four 
for the first half against Miami of Ohio. So big keyword, first half, make sure it's the first half spread. And also a big keyword is I'm buying half a point on this one as well. Uh, I'm actually surprised that I haven't been buying points up until this point in the season, but we did it on the Wisconsin-Notre Dame game. And now Army and Miami. Army is four and a half point favorites for the first half, but I'm going to buy that down to minus four point favorites, which brings you to minus 115 odds, which really is that standard. So uh, minus four spread and minus 115 odds. That's pretty standard. I like it a lot. Army are three and oh this season against first half spreads. And I'm going to ride the wave in, against an inferior Miami team. And also, while we're at it, respect the troops. God damn it. You got to pick Army on this. You can't fade Army. They're going to they're gonna win. Right? 3-0 in first half spreads. Why not 4-0? The only reason I'm nervous about this game is uh, I think their 7.5 point spread is the full line, 7.5. Um, but the public is really backing Army to cover the full game spread. Like really, but yet the money is all backing Miami. So there's some sharp indications that Miami will cover the full game spread. But if this game's anything like Army's last one, they're going to go out, have a massive first half, slow things down in the second half. Also, it takes teams a while to adjust to Army's offense. You know, unless you play them every year, like Navy, Air Force, whatever. But it, it does take teams a while to adjust to their style of play, their pace of play. It's weird. It is, especially in modern college football, Army's offense is weird. So first half, I like that spread a lot. That's why it's in tier one, obviously. So now my last, but certainly not least, pick of the week is going to be Kent State at Maryland under 70. There are some heavy, sharp indications on this, and I'm going to fade the public. One of my favorite sayings in sports betting, fade the public. 73% of public bets are siding with the over. Meanwhile, 81% of the money is on the under. That's a massive difference, a huge difference. You usually don't see it be that, um, the discrepancy that wide. But 70 for the over-under, ridiculously high. It's ridiculously, I know Maryland kind of has some firepower on offense with Tagaviola, but Tagaviola, he's going to get them a smooth 20 to 30 point lead over Kent State. And then they're just going to get rested up. They have a huge matchup against Iowa next week. So they're probably going to just get a win any way they can run the clock out. 70 points is a lot of points for an over under. So give me the under. I'm, I'm genuinely just, it's too many points. Give me the under. And I don't think Kent state is that crazy offensively. We saw what they did against Iowa. They only dropped seven points. So taking the under now that is going to do it for my card this weekend. Let's hope we can continue our hot start. Actually, not hot start, but our winning streak because our start to the season was rough, man. 10 and 17. We fought back. Now we're at 20 and 20, a perfect 0.500 betting record for the season. So I, I can't promise anything, but I can promise that I will do my darndest to finish this season with above a 50% win percentage. It, it I know it's not the end of the world if I don't, but I got I hold myself accountable. I really want to win these games and I really want to see improvement from last season as well. You know, we have 53.8 percentage. Let's get better. Let's hit over 54 this year. Am I right? So those are all my picks this weekend. Um, enjoy your Saturday of college football. We had a bye last week, but now it's iron skillet time, baby. I want to see you cooking up some pony logos in the tailgates and whatnot. Uh, I hope to see everybody at AMG Carter Stadium 
going to be a good weekend of football. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Again, I just want to reiterate this. I really, really appreciate um, those that watch this podcast and seeing the comments in the comment section. It makes my day every time. It really does. It makes me, I don't know, it makes me feel like I'm really doing the job that I've been dreaming of doing for since I was a kid. You know, like I'm really getting into sports media and that it means a lot to me. So appreciate everybody for listening. And I will be back same time, same place on Frogs of War Network with another episode of Ryan's Ramble next week. Fade or tail, whatever you do with these picks, best of luck. And let's hope we have some winners.